Another episode of Bad Wolf Radio, the discussion and review podcast all about Doctor Who. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron Goins, and I'm here with the man who just finished his fanfic about River Song and Jack Harkness, Adam Farmer. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I, I was stealing myself against whatever the intro might be. I was not going to laugh, but you caught me off guard with that one. Well done, well done. It's good to be back. Good to be back. It seems like forever since we've recorded a... a recorded an episode of Bad Wolf Radio. It has been a while. We did tell our listeners we were going to try to get in one or two episodes between the finale and the Christmas special. And the Christmas special is like, yeah, I was going to say, the Christmas (laughs) special is like a week away. So we we figured we should do something. So we decided we were going to do a season eight kind of recap episode. We're going to go through the different episodes of the season and kind of just give some general thoughts. Um, And we're not going to do it alone. Oh no, we're not. We actually have a guest um, from the the podcast, the Wampas Lair, Jason Hunt. Woo! Hello. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Busted out the sonic screwdriver. Of course. So welcome to the uh, Doctor Who side of things. I know you do a Star Wars podcast. I do a Star Wars podcast as well. But now we yes. have come together as Doctor Who fans or Whovians, and we are talking about Doctor Who finally. Yes, yes indeed, and you and I have both cosplayed as the Doctor, different Doctors, but, you know, ah, and so... Interesting, you... so that's a good that's a good segue into uh, kind of getting to know Jason Hunt a little bit, or what his <laughs> Doctor Who fandom is like. So which Doctor did you cosplay as? Uh, the fourth Doctor. Uh, I have seen that cosplay. Yes, um, I, I did share a picture with the page, the Facebook page, once or twice. So. Yes, yes, and very good job on that, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. So, Lots of thrift store shopping. Yeah. I've done the 11th. Um, I've always wanted to do other doctors, but I feel like the the 11th is the easiest um, to kind of cobble together because that's basically what he did, cobble <laughs> together an outfit. So um, I literally got the jacket that I used for that at the thrift store. So. Oh, so you didn't nice. go picking through lockers? No lockers you... at the doctor's office or at the hospital, I guess. Um, <laughs> I didn't do the uh, Think Geek you know, which I think is kind of cheating, you know, just buy the thing they have on there. But no, I found mine at the thrift store, but it's not very screen accurate either. So I was going to say, although you might think that think geek is cheating, you definitely have to invest if you want to, you want to own that coat. True. Yes. true. Um, and I'm always worried about the size too. If I order something online like, from think geek, I just, I don't know if it's going to fit right. Yeah. But enough about that. So Jason, <laughs> back to you. Um, so kind of maybe give us a little bit of a, a brief summary of kind of what got you into Doctor Who. Did you have like a friend that told you about it? Did you discover it on your own? I had several friends over the years um, for probably about three years now tell me I should get into Doctor Who. It's a show that I would like. And then I sort of at one point was looking to get into it and then realized how much of it there was and went, oh, I don't have the energy and time to invest in that in the middle of the semester. Um, And then last year, summer of 2013, I went to Phoenix Comic-Con with a friend um, who had just started getting into Doctor Who and was recommending it to me. And he was pointing out to me all the different Doctor Who cosplays that we saw. And so I was like, okay, it's summer. I need to do this. And so... We got back from Phoenix Comic-Con. I went on Netflix and started watching Doctor Who. Um, Everybody told me, start with the new series. It's much less cheesy. Um, And being myself, I was like, okay, that's nice. And then started with the Aztecs um, that is on Netflix, which is the first Doctor storyline. So (laughs) We've seen that one, haven't we, Adam? Yes, we have. Yes, we <laughs> in have. In all its glory. <laughs> yes, in all its wonderful 60s glory. Which um, I have to say, that episode compared to starting at the very beginning, that was actually a high point in my, my first Doctor yes. watching. 
So I, I've, I've never done things by the book in anything I do. Um, I'm always just a little weird. So everybody say, just watch the new series first. And I was like, okay, that's nice. And then went straight to the classic series. So that was me. The thing that the classic series kind of has going for it, though, is you know when you start watching it, it's black and white. It was made in the 60s. You kind of already give it a pass, you know? Right. At least it has that going for it that I think any new fan, if they decided to start there, they're they're already going to have an idea that maybe it's not going to be the same feel as modern television. Right. And the funny thing is, as it gets on, there are some there are some storylines that have some really great, you know, uh, acting and some pretty decent special effects for the time. And then there's others that have just an excessive amount of bubble wrap. So, um, that so how a, f- how that how is... much of the classic Doctor stuff did you watch until you did finally jump to? I'm guessing you started with Eccleston with the modern uh, stuff. Yes, with the. I watched everything that was on Netflix first and then went straight into the modern stuff. And then after got into the modern stuff, um, I realized that the public library system around here has a lot of classic Doctor Who DVDs. And so I started to watch those. I think it was interspersed with my watch through of the uh, modern series. But um, I am now starting on my first official all the way through... um, watch of Doctor Who starting with uh, Hartnell in 63 and going all the way through modern series Um, I'm about halfway through the third Doctor and anything that I can't find on Hulu, Netflix or at the library I'm reading it on Wikipedia so wow yes that's impressive (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm speechless right now yeah I'm like you can't see it right now but I'm literally bowing a little bit to you that's 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 very that's dedication right there when I get into something I I don't do it by halves that's for sure so can we assume that you've watched everything modern series wise from Eccleston on to the current stuff with Capaldi you've seen all that right at least once okay cool yes so with that, we're all on the same page. I think we, we've all at least accomplished that. So I am curious, um, kind of the standard questions probably people ask, who is your favorite doctor? Tom Baker, fourth doctor by far. Um, and then my second favorite would probably be the seventh doctor, Sylvester McCoy, just because I love Sylvester McCoy. He's great. Um, followed probably after that by Tenet. Although Capaldi's uh, running pretty close behind Tenet, gotta say. I'm really liking Capaldi, so. Cool. Um, what about Companions? Who's your favorite? Ooh, that's a tough he, one. He has he has quite a few more to go through than what we usually <laughs> what we usually discuss. <laughs> well, we'll say who's your overall favorite, and if your overall favorite falls in the classic series, then we'll ask you who your modern favorite is. Oh, with the classic series, I'm stuck between Sarah Jane Smith and K-9 because Sarah Jane was just a great companion and K-9 is just awesome. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) I'm totally geeking out here. Sorry. Um, And then uh, modern series, it would have to be Donna. Donna. Donna wow. Noble's my favorite. Interesting. I feel like you're not the first person to say that. Um, when we, I can't. Did we have another guest that said Donna as well? Yeah. Was it Amy? Was it Amy? Amy Geek. It might have been Amy. Yeah. That's that's interesting. I I think uh, she's more popular than I think a lot of people realize. I you know I think as as a classic Whovian, um, which I think I would define myself as, although I'm sort of an overall. I don't know. Anyways, I'm still figuring that out. I like the fact that Donna is not like Gaga over the Doctor, um, which I think sometimes gets in the way of some of the other companions. They're like, oh my gosh, it's the Doctor. You know, kiss me. And I'm like, stop it. Just go on adventures. Have fun. If I was on that. Seriously? (laughs) Oh, Jack. Captain Jack. (laughs) How's that fan fiction coming at him? <laughs> oh my gosh! Getting really close, really close to finishing it up. 
you you said that at the introduction, and I was just thankful I was not taking a sip of water at the time because I would have done a spit take all over my laptop. So, <laughs> well, it's great to have you on. You obviously have a lot of knowledge about Doctor Who, so I'm really excited to kind of hear what you th- thought about season eight and Capaldi, and you know each episode. So we'll kind of we'll kind of walk through them. But um, okay. Adam, did you have any like? Were there any news items that stuck out, anything that you wanted to kind of cover before we jump into this, or should we just jump right into our, you know, kind of review of the season? I would say let's go ahead and just jump right in. We're getting really close to the Christmas special. There's some fun rumors, spoilers floating around out there. There's been quite a few um, videos released within the past couple of days. That said, let's just go ahead and review. We'll, we'll, we'll talk Christmas special when that time <laughs> comes. Well, let's rewind back to the first appearance of Peter Capaldi, which actually would be the Christmas special last year, right? Yes. Okay. I was making sure. I'm thinking. I was thinking. Wait, was it the Christmas wait. special? Yes. So Matt <laughs> the Smith. The very yes. brief moment. Matt Smith regenerates. We get a brief appearance of Peter Capaldi kidneys. saying something about his kidneys, <laughs> and we all had kind of that first reaction to the Doctor, the new Doctor, um, and we didn't really get a lot to go off of. But um, I guess, Jason, kind of what was your first initial reaction just based on that? Were you kind of like, oh, okay, like this this seems like he could be pretty cool, or were, was there any reservations? Um, considering how new everything was to me and how fast I had gone through all of the other Doctors previous, realizing, oh, wait, I've got like seven months before we actually get to continue this this story – um, so I was just, I just was sort of going with it. Um, I mean, he seemed like he would do a good job as the doctor, so I didn't really have any reservations, but I wasn't like overly attached to Matt Smith. Um, like some of my friends were that were like so sad to see him go, um, because I had just, you know, raced through everything to get to that point. So, uh, I was just ready to to see what he was going to do with the doctor. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much all you can do when they it was really not much to go on. Right. But I think I was still recovering from like the weird uh, regeneration of Matt Smith, like I just hated it, I think. And I don't know <laughs> if you listened to our our Christmas special review of last year, but other than maybe the uh we'll talk about kill the moon that might have been the harshest i've ever been on an episode (laughs) (laughs) what what was it about the regeneration you didn't like i didn't like how goofy it was i didn't like that he turned into an old man i didn't like he that he wasted 300 years on a planet to save a little town i just (laughs) the whole don't get him started started. we've spent a lot of time discussing that 300 years in the town called okay Yes. Yeah, the whole the whole idea of just about everything that happened in that episode um, just wasn't the way I wanted to see Smith go. Smith's not my favorite modern Doctor, but I did like him, and so I, I kind of wanted to see him have a little bit more, I don't know, a, a little bit more of a serious ending, and not so like old man swinging his cane around, you know, shooting stuff into the sky. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. And and with the way that Smith started. Um, his his tenure as the doctor um, with the eleventh hour, it's really. I looking back on it, it really would have been nice to see him go out similar to the way that he came in, um, with the same type of strut, the same swagger that he had, instead of just being the old man in the clock tower, like he said, swinging his cane and kind of just being. <laughs> well, we had handles. That was a highlight, but outside of that. <laughs> Um, just the way that everything everything went down. See, that um, says it all right there. When when handles is the highlight of an episode. Oh come on, it was unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> Did you honestly expect him to be carrying around Cyberman head? That's his companion for the the Christmas special. Um, hey, I it it could have been Danny Pink if they had had they'd spun it that way. Yeah, but, that's um, that's what I was expecting. Wow. <laughs> So There's a yeah, callback or call forward. Call or... forward, yeah. We're we're <laughs> foreshadowing at this point. Yes. But um, yeah, I, I think like early on, me and Adam at least, we kind of jumped right on board with Capaldi. I know with with Deep Breath being the first episode, um, even though it had the, you know, the gang and the the lizard lady and the potato head guy and all that stuff, 
Strax and Vastra. I and they're you know they're not my favorite characters, but I did like that episode, Deep Breath, and I liked the introduction of the Twelfth Doctor. I, I liked Capaldi, you know, right off the bat. He was a jerk. He was different. He wasn't Matt Smith, which was nice, you mm-hmm. know, to kind of get a change of pace. And um, I thought they started it out pretty strong with bringing back the clockwork, you know, robots um, and, uh, you know, that whole storyline. And it was creepy, and I, I thought it was a strong beginning to the season. What did you guys think? Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. And just once again, thinking back, we were really hard on Capaldi all summer long. We I wasn't ready for him. I I had some serious doubts as to whether or not I was ready for a new doctor. I I felt like I was ready for a new doctor after Smith, but then once we got to some of the stuff about Capaldi, some of the the leaks that were coming out, I wasn't too sure about it. Um, and then especially the the reports that were like, oh no, he's going to be really good. He's going to be the doctor that you're all waiting for. It made me doubt it even more. But as soon as we got that introduction in deep breath, even though it was a strange introduction with the TARDIS getting spit out of, uh, the, the, the dinosaur and him coming <laughs> out and just the weird interactions there, they were different. They were re- weird, <clears throat> but it was the doctor. It was Capaldi's doctor, and yeah, I was with you. Um, I was I was floored. It was unexpected, but I loved it. I was Capaldi got off to a hot start. Were you as impressed with with Capaldi uh, in the first episode, Jason, as we were? Uh, yes. Um, after the first episode, I said, if this keeps up, he will replace Tennant as my favorite modern modern doctor. Um, I said that from the get go. Um, and so far, so good, I would say. Um, but, but yeah, no, as, as someone who's witnessed quite a few regenerations, um, just seeing the fact that there's still some characteristics of the doctor that carry through, through all incarnations, um, keeps the new face familiar to me, if that makes sense. So, uh, I was like, like, oh, this is great. This is incredible. There's the familiar plus the new grumpy cantankerous side um, <laughs> of the doctor. So uh, I, I was loving it. So uh, that's that's interesting. What was the what was the familiar aspect of Capaldi that stuck out to you? Uh, it's it's the way that they carry themselves. It's it's the you know sort of running around, getting in everybody's face and everybody's business. That's always the doctor. Um, and even though some of the doctors are, are more <laughs> kind and friendly, they're always abrupt. There's always like that abrupt thing with them, um, where they're so far ahead of you and what they know and, and what's going on that they forget to explain, uh, how things are happening. Um, so that was always familiar, uh, but yeah, the, the new stuff obviously was uh, the grumpiness and the cantankerousness. Although you know, first Doctor has his grumpy moments. Um, he turns into more of a grandfatherly figure as it goes on. Did you guys have any kind of standout moments from Deep Breath that you know something that stuck out to you that you you know really liked or really didn't like? I I really liked the interaction between. Um... Clara and and the doctor in the restaurant uh, as they're sitting there and they're just kind of going back and forth and Clara's describing him and he thinks she's describing herself and just those interactions and then what what it leads up to with being in the basement and just the the creepy moment where the doctor leaves her and she's stuck in there and she has to hold her breath and I really liked um, those interactions I think those interactions for me is what anchored the doctor back to being the doctor because watching him listening to, listening to what jason said yeah there were definitely those moments that it's like okay he still has some aspects of the doctor but he just to me was such a dramatic departure from the from uh matt smith that i i had a hard time still thinking of of him as the doctor even though he was the doctor and i really enjoyed the doctor he was portraying but those interactions really anchored it for me 
Uh, yeah, the the restaurant scene with him and Clara was was really good. Although I think one of my other favorite moments was his scene in the alley with the uh, the beggar. Um, that was I I like that scene too as he's trying to figure out who he is now and what's going on again. Um, <laughs> those eyebrows, those eyebrows, they're angry eyebrows, attack eyebrows. Um, <laughs> so. Uh... And he kind of yeah. he kind of recognizes his own face in that point, and they give us kind of that little you know he's kind of wondering where his face is from and what it means, and uh, uh, that you know that kind of brings up another thing that I like to bring up from time to time: the fact that Peter Capaldi has played another character in Doctor Who, <laughs> and um, <laughs> Adam's like laughing because he's like, "We've already talked about this a million uh, times." No, I just love it that you're just like that. I that I like to bring up from time to time. <laughs> It's the time to time that's funny, apparently. Well, we have a new person, so I want to hear his take on this. Like, do you do you think that there will be any kind of a connection between the the fires of Pompeii episode or the character that he played there, or you know, any reason why he used that face? Uh, there could be, um, but I I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just sort of they took the time to recognize that it is a familiar face and that's all that's going to happen with it. Uh, but you know, maybe down the road they might come back to it. Um, but this isn't the first time that that's happened. Uh, the sixth doctor, Colin Baker actually appeared as a captain of the guard on Gallifrey. And then, you know, a year or so later regenerated as the doctor. So, you know, I mean, he came back as the doctor. So it, it, it's not the first time that that's happened uh, in Doctor Who. Has it ever happened with a that prominent of a character? Uh, I haven't seen the uh, the episode where um, Colin Baker is the captain of the guard, but okay. he seems to be at least somewhat important to the story. Um, whether or not it's sort of just a minor character that keeps coming back, or not, I'm not sure, um, but I haven't gotten to that point. But yeah, I'm uh, kind of thinking that you might be right. It might just be, you know, they kind of he mentions that the face is familiar, and that's pretty much all we're gonna get. But there's a little part of me that kind of hopes they they tie it back in in a little bit more of a detailed way. I think it'd be kind of cool to kind of you know tie that in, in in some some way, but we'll see. But for me, this episode, the kind of the standout moment was at the end when they kind of leave it up in the air on if the doctor pushed that clockwork robot out the out the door to his death or if he uh if the robot jumped on his own i thought that was a nice you know touch to kind of leave that open ended and not really tell us if the doctor is really that bad or that mean um, we still don't really know we don't yeah we don't know what really happened there and we still don't know why a robot would go to heaven but Right, you know. but it, it totally, it totally um, set us up for all those questions that follow in in later episodes. As far as the whole questioning, am I a good man? Um, is he really <laughs> what the doctor should be? Deep down inside, is he nothing more than a Dalek? That really helps set that up. Um, and as far as far as did the robot go to heaven? We find out it's not really heaven. True. So I guess they just uploaded his consciousness to the Matrix. Which was heaven, right? Wow. Yeah, if he was conscious. That, I guess like that. that's the real question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one I still kind of was like, huh. They they never really explained why or how, I guess, like a robot could end up going to the same place as all the humans go or their consciousness go when they die. But um, I guess he was in touch with his humanity enough. The clockwork robot was then inside a Cyberman. I guess he really did get an upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> so uh, on to the second episode, Into the Dalek. Uh, we get the kind of a different type of return of the Dalek um, and Capaldi's first interaction with the Daleks. Um, and then we get the shrinking doctor as well. He gets to go inside of the Dalek, which is uh, something I don't think he's ever done before either. No, he ventured, no. He ventured where he had never gone before. Was it was the innards of a Dalek what you expected? I know there were some surprises for me. I, I was surprised, kind of the uh, the going in through the eye stalk, and it ended up being like they're going through this like weird like bluish, Willy Wonka. yeah, like kind of this trippy experience as they're going through there. I always just thought it was a piece of glass. 
you know, so that was kind of different. And then some of the, the ways that the inside of the Dalek worked, um, not quite what I was expecting. Yeah, no, it, it was, I mean, I don't know what I would have expected. Um, <laughs> cause I've never really wondered <laughs> how the innards of a Dalek work. So I don't know. It was interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I thinking back to, um, the Eccleston episode, uh, that people parallel this one with so often where he first meets uh the dalek for his incarnation of the doctor and towards the end it like cracks open and you see the dalek inside of it and it seems to be different than what the insides that we experienced i don't know i guess i just always like envisioned it as being a mechanical shell that has like this life support pod in it but if you were to strip away all the armor on the sides you would basically see just cogs and wheels and gears and then the wheels at the bottom um yeah it was it was different it was different than what i expected for sure well any i guess like was there anything in this one i guess this was kind of the first time um well it wasn't the first time we saw missy but um did missy make another appearance in this one i can't remember Yes. Okay. Um, she did. With, I think we um, see we see Courtney again, everybody's favorite companion. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Danny Pink is in this episode, right? So some of these yeah. recurring characters all show up here. Um, I guess one of the things that stuck out to me was kind of the Doctor showing, continuing to show his heartlessness and his mean side, uh, being consistent from the first episode at least, where you have you know, the scene where he actually causes the death of somebody, you know, um, and then when the character does die, he kind of makes a joke about, you know, him being somewhere in the water, you know, like, oh, he's here somewhere if you want to say goodbye to him, you know, um, <laughs> pretty heartless. Um, that was kind of one of the things that really stuck out to me in that episode. Yeah. The one thing about that episode that really sort of stuck out to me was that while the doctor is meeting one of the, the big doctor who baddies that everybody has to run into. Um, it didn't really feel like it was that big of a deal. It was just another encounter. I don't know. It didn't seem like it was, it had the high stakes that a lot of the, the Dalek episodes generally seem to have. So I don't know. That was just there... one of the things that, yeah, are the Daleks still a big deal in Doctor Who, do you think? Or do you think people are starting to get tired of them? Mm, I don't know. Because I think I, a lot of times I talk to people that try to watch the series or have watched it and, and didn't really stick with it. And one of the things they, they always point out to me is the Daleks as something that just was so bizarre to them and just they didn't see it as a threatening type of character. And I think... You know, if you're looking at it from a fresh perspective and not taking into account that it's a classic villain and they tried to keep the look, you know, to somebody that's just coming to the show, it's like a trash can with a plunger. <laughs> and I can see, and I think even for me, when I was a new, you know, a new Whovian or a new, new to Who, I was a little like, huh, these are the main baddies. Like, this is the, this is the Darth Vader of the series, you know, like. I'm not that impressed, you know, and I, and I think that's continued to be something for me. Like whenever I see the Daleks, it's just like, eh, it's not like a big event for me, mm. but I think that's, you know, that's from the perspective probably of someone who started out with the modern series, um, and not somebody who started kind of more in the classic era. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I like them because they're a classic villain, not because I think they're particularly intimidating, um, so that's, that's my standpoint on the Daleks. Sometimes I, they make me laugh more than anything, which is a weird thing to say about a Dalek. Yeah. I, th I think, I think that's a, that's a great point. They have become more of a novelty. I mean, you, you look at, <laughs> you look at the, the villains of modern who, and, the one that, that sticks out to everybody, the one that everybody always references as being like the epitome of the scary Doctor Who villain would be the Weeping Angels. I think I think in a way they've they've taken that role from the Daleks. And the Daleks are still nice to have around, but they're 
they're like listening to your grandfather's stories. They're they're not all that scary anymore because you've kind of seen more than what your grandfather can tell you. Um, <laughs> but they still have that novelty. It's still fun to see him show up every now and then. Um, yeah, I yeah, think but... I kind of put the Cybermen in that same category. You know, it's nice to see the Daleks and the Cybermen show up because they're familiar and you know it's just a part of Doctor Who. But it's good to see them, you know, create new villains as well. You know, we have the the Weeping mm-hmm. Angels and the Silence and, um, you know, in this in this series even, we kind of had, uh, what was the name of that? The Boneless? The was Boneless, from... yeah. Mm-hmm from flatline yeah yeah. so yeah. you know that's kind of a new idea and i don't know if that'll become a recurring thing I, I have a feeling we might see those come back so coming up with these new maybe a little bit more modern a little bit more scary villains to kind of go along with the classic ones that tend to pop up from time to time it's it's a nice mixture yeah mm-hmm. i'm afraid that I, i'm afraid that we haven't gotten anything on par with weeping angels yet they they had do you remember the whisper men that they threw in there for like was that one or two episodes? Was that the guys had... with the top hats? Yeah, oh. that had the really freaky faces because there wasn't a face there. Um, but then, like, they appeared and then they disappeared, and we haven't seen them again. But that—that's another villain that I'm—I'm I'm wondering if it's gonna be on par with the Boneless, where it has some serious potential, but then it just kind of fades away and no one ever thinks about it again. Yeah. Anyways, back to back to series eight. Yeah, right. So We're... into the Dalek, and that leads us to the robot of Sherwood, which I know. Would you would you say that this is maybe not your favorite episode, but is this like the second maybe favorite episode for the for series eight, Aaron? Or has that changed? I think this is the most standout for me, um, and probably the one I enjoyed the most. So I I think I'd say this is actually my favorite episode, mm-hmm. um, and I know that's not. A common you know based on rankings that i've seen online that's not a common thing uh but for me i actually really liked it um i've always liked the character of robin hood and any type of story that he's in so just to see the doctor meet you know robin hood and and just that whole interaction and i thought the uh the actor who played doc or that played robin uh did a great job so yeah that was that's probably my favorite episode of the season jason what what were your thoughts aaron and i talked quite a bit as far as Robin Hood, was he real? Um, could the Doctor meet a fictional character? What were your thoughts when you got to the Robots of Sherwood episode? Oh, it's it's still one of my favorite episodes of the season. Um, I I absolutely love this episode. It It is the most fun episode of the season, um, which is nice to have a fun episode for the Doctor every once in a while. Just, just to see him get out of you know, either get out or in his comfort zone, depending on the doctor. Um, in this case, it was out of his comfort zone. Um, and I think the thing that sealed it for me was the sword slash spoon fight on the bridge, um, which I absolutely loved seeing the doctor uh, fight Robin Hood with a spoon. It was the funniest thing. Um, and this that could have been a slight reference back to the seventh doctor because Sylvester McCoy does play the spoons like actually like at musically. Um, and he did that in at least one doctor who episode. So I don't know if that's a deliberate callback or if it's something I just read into it, but I made that connection. <laughs> nice. How, how strange was that though? When he pulled the spoon, out of his pocket he was i mean he was eating something with the spoon earlier so i guess he just kind of tossed it in there but if that was the 11th doctor would we have seen that spoon sword fight any it, differently and was it just because capaldi it like fit his character or was it just i don't know was that would that have been odd any other place um i think for a couple of the doctors it would have been odd um but some of them Especially, uh, I'm going to totally geek out on Classic Who here for a second. Especially for, uh, like, the second Doctor or the fourth Doctor or the seventh Doctor. Just pulling a bunch of random crap out of their pockets is just something that they do. Um, They always have a collection of weird things in their pocket. And you're wondering, why do you have a sandwich in your pocket? Or a yo-yo? Or, you know... Uh, 
random bits of electrical equipment that don't actually fit together. You know, uh, they, the doctor seems to always be pulling something random out of his pocket. So having a spoon in your pocket to sword fight with didn't phase me at all. So, <laughs> yeah, I definitely think that that fit Capaldi. You know, it worked. I don't think I, I could have seen Smith do that same scene. It would have just seemed odd. Yeah. I, but I could have seen Tennant do it. Tennant kind of had a similar, you know, he had like a bit of a sword fight in um, in um, Christmas Invasion, I think. Yep. So, mm-hmm. so, yeah. So I could definitely see Tennant doing it, but Smith, it would have been a little out of character. I agree. But, um, yeah, so that was, like I said, it was my favorite episode of the season. Um, and then they they just continued to get better, I thought, or the the episodes continued to stay good. And even with the next episode, listen, um, which was kind of touted as it was going to be, you know, the scary episode of the season. I actually really liked that episode too, with the whole talking to yourself and is there really somebody there kind of thing. What did you guys think about listen? It... It's a good episode, but for some reason, it's not one that immediately jumps to my mind when I'm thinking of Series 8 episodes, my favorite ones. Um, I really like the fact that they used a line from the first Doctor, which I think you guys talked about, uh, where the Doctor says, or Clara tells the Doctor, fear makes companions of us all. And about that same time, I was going back and starting my rewatch of the classic series and I hit the first episode with the first doctor and he tells that to Ian or Barbara. And I was like, ah, there it is. So I was happy about that. But I mean, I, I liked it, but for some reason it's not one that is memorable to me for some reason, which I don't know why. I, I loved the episode. Um, the only thing is that I, I wanted more. I was slightly disappointed at the end of it that we didn't have some sort of resolution, but I thought that they, the, the way that they played off of the unknown, the uncertainty, it worked really, really well. I'm still convinced that there was something under that sheet. It wasn't just another boy from the, from the children's home, that there really was something outside of um, Pink's spacecraft. Uh, yeah, I I really like this episode. It's it's hard though because working through where I'd put this in my ranking of favorite episodes, you kind of get in the middle and it all gets kind of fuzzy. Like you know which one you know in my mind I have which one like really stuck out to me and then I have those that really just tanked. This one's somewhere in the in the middle though. I can't really place where I want to put it. And we got an appearance of the young first doctor which was interesting. Yes. That was that kind was. of unexpected, uh, having Clara actually interact with the the first Doctor. Um, I like that. Nice touch. But, yeah, good episode. I'm with you, Adam. I, I This was one that I really liked, and although I disagree with you that there wasn't resolution, I think they resolved it, and <laughs> that there was, that the Doctor was just kind of, you know, playing... He was, he was the one that was imagining things, and there wasn't really anything spooky going on at all. But, um... But yeah, I think it just depends on your interpretation of it. Did you? What did you think, Jason? I guess, you know, as far as, I don't know how well you remember the episode, but did you feel like there was resolution to um, um, what was going on? I felt like there was resolution, but I also felt like, and while I, I enjoyed the story, um, I felt like at the end of the day it was a story that didn't need to happen. Because you know, you know, they go on all this adventure and stuff and then it's just the doctor's mind playing tricks on him you know he's he's imagining things and that's it you know they didn't need an entire adventure to tell that story hmm. so maybe that's why it's not like so memorable to me don't get me wrong i like the episode i'm not i'm not crapping on the episode at all but it, it just it's one that at the end of the day nothing was gained well, you're only allowed to crap on one episode per season. That's the rules here. <laughs> and we're here, getting so. up to a really, really good one. <laughs> so you might want to save your card here. No. <laughs> but, I mean, I think, like, and we kind of, we probably need to speed it up a little bit just because we're running out of time. But, um, 
I feel like for me personally, once we hit episode five, time heist, and moving on to the caretaker and kill the moon, was where the the where I finally started to be like, oh, because I felt like the first four episodes were really, in my opinion, really great, and I. I was really excited about like, man, they're going to just, every single episode is just going to knock it out of the park and I'm just going to love Peter Capaldi and he's going to be my favorite doctor. And then Time Heist and I was like, eh, that was okay. And then Caretaker and I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't really like that. And then Kill the Moon and I pretty much hated it. And then I was starting to get worried that like I was, that the rest of the season was going to suck, you know? So I don't know, like, was there any point in the season that you guys felt like the show kind of reached its peak? And started to kind of come back to earth, or you know, did you not have that same kind of harsh reaction to the middle of this of this series? Uh, I really liked Time Heist. Time Heist was one that I felt was still a, a good episode, a really good episode. Um, Caretaker, <clears throat> eh. Kill the Moon. Um, basically, my whole reaction to that episode is the moon is a giant egg weird that's basically <laughs> my reaction to the episode that's that's i don't have anything and that's coming from somebody that's seen a lot of the classic series yeah i mean <laughs> if that can weird you out i mean i agree with you i thought wow i i just like the the fact that there was just this giant creature living inside the moon and and just there was a lot about the episode i didn't like if you want to go and back and listen you can hear it just but... hatched laid another egg that was the same size as the egg it just hatched out of that didn't make sense and oh i don't yeah. know yeah so okay so we're on the same page there you didn't like that episode yeah. either i so, didn't like i didn't particularly like kill the moon no what would you say was your least favorite episode of the season we can we can all give ours i know mine is definitely kill the moon um jason what was yours it, it'll be kill the moon um just the whole premise of that is just a weird one and it that the premise for that one got in the way of of my enjoying the character moments and you know the weird and you know the little goofy things that happen between the characters and stuff that at the end of the day that premise there just threw me off so much (laughs) what about you adam what was your least favorite yeah i'm i'm gonna have to go with kill the moon too that's for all the reasons that y'all said, and then even more so because the interaction at the end between the between the doctor and Clara <clears throat> that had the potential of rescuing the episode for me, where Clara basically says, "I'm done. This is over. I want no part of it. Part in it. You walk our earth. You breathe our air. You're a part of this." And then she storms out. If they could have allowed that to carry on for longer, that episode would have had at least some redeeming quality. But the fact that we get to Mummy on the Orient Express, and it's all just a wash at that point, it like, yeah, it mattered, it happened, but it really has no impact. Kill the Moon is is that story that, yeah, I don't even think we have to wait until next series. It's it's the one it's the one story from the episode that. I'm pretty sure they want us to forget about because it it really shouldn't have happened. <laughs> I'd be curious to hear uh, your favorites as well. I know I already gave my favorite episode of the season, but Jason, what was your, your favorite episode of the series? Oh, goodness. That's hard. That's you can really give us a couple. Um, I, I'm going to say uh, Robot of Sherwood is one then I really like Mummy on the Orient Express because, you know, it's the Doctor Who on a train in space, and I've read the Mummy of the, uh, I've read the Orient Express several times, um, so that was just a fun episode for me. Um, Flatline was really good. And then the finale um, was just interesting. So... A lot happened in the finale. The two-part finale. For sure. There's a lot that happened in the finale. <laughs> what about you, Adam? What was your favorite episode? Yeah, I'm going to go with the very first um, introduction. The, the the deep breath episode, I think, just got us off to such a great start. Uh, a great introduction to the Doctor. A great introduction to kind of the direction they were taking him with this character. The uncertainty of who he was. Like you mentioned, did he push the the clockwork robot at the end of the episode? This new doctor, 
I would say that's that is my favorite episode. A very very close second, maybe one A and one B would be Mummy and Mummy on the Orient Express. Just the story was intriguing. I liked what they did with it. I liked kind of how the Doctor moved forward, and then even at the end was like, okay, I'm I'm gonna be willing to lie to Clara, pretend like I'm gonna sacrifice this girl, and then be willing to step in at the end. Um, and figure it out. Yeah, that the resolution of that episode wasn't too strong. It was some Egyptian soldier with some crazy technology that he just had to surrender to, and it was all okay. Um, another one of those weird Doctor Who resolutions. But I, I really enjoyed that episode. Plus, it pulled us out of that like crazy doldrum of those two episodes of Caretaker and Kill the Moon. So it revitalized my hope. So deep breath got me excited for the season, and then mummy on the orient express got me re-excited for the rest of the season because after kill the moon i was i was worried that we were just gonna be racing downhill from there yeah i was kind of with you i was a little nervous about where the season was heading and mummy on the orient express did kind of get me back on board um and and a flatline wasn't great for me but it was okay but then you know the rest of the season i i enjoyed in the forest of the night and then the finale, the two-part finale, um, I thought were all strong episodes. Um, Jason, did you have any kind of toward the end of the season? Did you did you feel like um, you were pretty happy with how how everything uh, went toward the end of the season? Um, for the most part, yes. Um, I thought that the uh, reveal that Missy was the master uh, was a little on the nose. I totally saw that coming. Um, and it was something that I thought, you know, I was kind of hoping it wasn't going to be because I wanted to see something else. Um, but it didn't surprise me that it was the master. So, you know, it was still worked for me. It was still really good. And then the, the scene with the brigadier Cybermen at the end was, uh, that made my heart melt a little bit because I love, I love brigadier Alistair Gordon Lethbridge Stewart. Um, one of my other favorite classic companions. Were you okay with his appearance as a Cyberman? Did you think that was uh, worthy of them bringing that character back to just have him show up as a Cyberman? I thought it was a little odd. It was a little odd, but the fact that uh, he basically did it to... uh, the, th- the fact that he's the one that shot the master instead of the doctor sort of rescued that idea for me. Because the brigadier generally makes the hard, difficult, moral de- decisions for the doctor, so the doctor doesn't have to. That happens several times in the classic series. Um, he saves the doctor from having to, uh, you know, wound his soul, so to speak, um, by making a horrible, horrible choice. Um, and since he's he's the military man, he will make the difficult choice for the doctor, so the doctor doesn't have to do it. Um, so I, that part of it sort of saved the idea. Him, seeing him as a Cyberman is probably the only way you could have gotten him to return because the actor has passed now. Um, so sort of our final farewell to the Brigadier. Um, right. We, we can't... Uh... I'm sorry, we can't shut down the episode without just a little bit more discussion on Missy. Um, because well, that I was, was planning on discussing uh, Danny Pink. We got to talk about Clara, so we can take the next ten minutes or whatever to kind of discuss some of these recurring characters that cool. have happened throughout. Uh, but yeah, we can start with Missy if you want. What did you ha- What did you have to say about that? Oh no, I I just had to say that um, it was. It, like Jason said, you could you could definitely see it coming down the pike from the very from the very first appearance of Missy. I remember looking at a forum and someone saying, "Huh, Missy, that's interesting. It's going to be the master because Missy is just going to be the mistress, and mistress is just the master." So that was that was low hanging fruit, so easy to pick up on, mm-hmm. and it was kind of disappointing when yeah, it was revealed. But then how Michelle Gomez played the master freaked me out. I got to say like it was, I was surprised at just how dark and the extent that Moffat went to let us know that, okay, 
this is the master. She's off her rocker. She's nuts. She's dark and bananas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and killing Oswald. It it was. I mean, come on. It was. I that was a surprise to me. At the end of the season, it wasn't a surprise at who she was, but it was a surprise at how well she played her. I I will agree with that. I will agree with that. Um, I was hoping that she was going to be the Ronnie. Um, you know. That was, I'm sure, another you know theory that was out there, and Moffat even gave us the, the freaking uh, you know distraction, the red herring, when she called herself the random access neural interface. I found it, um, and I was like, Ronnie, is she the Ronnie? And then she goes, Nope, and I'm like, Ah, you you went with the obvious, um, but but then of course going with the obvious ended up being amazing because of what she did. So uh, she definitely fit the idea of the master, um, even though obviously different gender. So obviously setting us up for the fact that sooner or later we're going to get a female doctor, but you know, whatever. Moffat has basically said that, you know, although we saw her die, that the master, you know, we will see the master again. So, oh, yeah, she's so, going to be in series nine course. easily. Of course. So, okay. A little, little quick, little side tangent on the master from the classic series. By the time you get to about the, the fifth, sixth and seventh doctor, the master sort of apparently dies at the end of each encounter with the doctor and then comes back later with the excuse. Oh, I escaped that kind of happens several times and several times and you don't really get an explanation why or how in some of those instances. Um, so as soon as that happened and, you know, the brigadier killed Missy, I was like, so how are they going to bring her back? Or are they just going to bring her back without explaining it? Uh, that was my initial response to that situation. Right. Yeah, and and in one of the Doctor Who extras after the, after the episode, well, after the last episode, Moffat basically brought up that exact same point where, like, in the 80s, the Master would die at the end of every episode, and as he was watching it as a fan of Doctor Who, when he would show back up, the only explanation would be, I escaped. And he's like, that was, I didn't question that at all. It was just awesome that the Master was back. And, yeah, we are definitely going to be saying missy again and i don't know probably the exact same explanation she escaped somehow and she's back which i'm cool with that she's she's bananas it's all good (laughs) so we would be remiss if we did not mention danny pink may he rest in peace we need to have like at the end of this episode a moment of silence followed by all sorts of audio clips of Danny Pink from throughout the series. <laughs> if I felt like taking the time to make that happen, I would, but I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we talk about Danny a lot this season, a lot of, in our reviews. We talked about his relationship with Clara, kind his of amazing jumping abilities. Yeah, <laughs> how um, how maybe he was a bit of a disappointment. To us, I, I know for me personally, I kind of had high expectations for this character when they first announced him, and he never really became what I thought he was going to be. Um, you know, he went out nobly, but it just wasn't quite what I was hoping for from that character. He seemed a bit weak. He got walked all over in his relationship, and then ended up ended up giving his life, you know, to save a child, which is good, but. I, overall, I was a little disappointed with this character. What, how did you guys feel about Danny Pink as a character in season eight? Oh man, I was just waiting for him to start going on the TARDIS and going on adventures with them. We all were. We well, all I was. Were. They told us he was going to be a companion. You we know, did. that's the way they when they first introduced him. You know, they're like, you know, a new companion, and he never really traveled on the TARDIS, and. um I feel like that was a little bit of a, a, a misdirect or a f- false advertisement that um, we got pretty much Clara as the main companion the entire season, um, and, and Danny was just basically her boyfriend that was sitting at home the whole time. It was really kind of pathetic by the end of it. I was like, come on. The first couple episodes we saw him, he was like such a great introduction to the character, and there were so many great things that 
great ways that could have gone. Um, and then it just didn't. It didn't let go. It just sort of sat there. And I was so disappointed because I really wanted him to do stuff. I really wanted him to get involved other than just relationship drama. And I was like, why do we have to have... Okay, so she's and the doctor, they're not in a relationship, but why do we have to give her another relationship just so we can have relationship drama? You know, um, it was... Uh, it was such a disappointment by the end of it. Yeah, I... He... At the at the end of it, perspective. Looking back, his character was, for lack of a better way of putting it, unfulfilling. I was it the the expectations that I had for him going into it that he was going to be another companion, maybe similar to what we had with Rory or Mickey, but hoping that he was going to be another level, and then never having him take that step, but then always always having him play that role of yeah you just felt bad for the guy like the good guys finished last that that whole scenario um i was i was bummed i'm i'm still disappointed and i'm kind of wondering just from just from a few things here and there if if samuel anderson was even surprised at the role that he ended up playing at the end of it and whether he was if he was expecting to have a little bit more um but yeah it was it was a bummer just kind of throughout kind of what jason said always expecting and never really seeing him take that step what about clara for you guys are you are you kind of hoping that we've i know we're going to get her in the christmas special she's on the poster um, even though they keep making us think that her and the doctor are, are parting ways, she keeps coming back. Um, are you kind of ready for a different companion? Are you hoping to see her another season of her? Um, I, I like Clara, but this doctor needs a companion to call his own. Um, I mean, and, and this happens with every doctor. Uh, in order to help soften the blow of a new doctor, they carry a companion over for the next season or so, and then they switch them out. This happens all the time. Um, as someone who's watched a lot of the Doctor Who uh, regenerations and companions over the years, it happens pretty much every Doctor. Um, and so I think this... But as far as Clara and the 12th Doctor, or whatever we're calling him... 13th or whatever the heck he is. Um, I hate that numbering system. It drives me bananas. Anyways, uh, as far as Clara and this doctor are concerned, they worked well together, but this doctor needs some someone to call his own companion. I think there needs to be a, a fresh start after the Christmas special. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that the same position that I was in with Matt Smith towards the end of his tenure, I'm in that same position with Clara. That's I'm that, that story is done. It's over with the impossible girl. She's kind of run her course. I feel like we've seen her in every possible situation and I'm kind of ready to see Capaldi strike out on his own and, and find, find something new, find someone new or get a different type of companion in there. Um, or no companion at all. Just watch the doctor do crazy things by himself. Uh, I would not at all be saddened if come next week the Christmas special airs and it truly is their last Christmas together. I have a sneaking suspicion, though. It's it's not over. I was convinced prior to <laughs> prior to this episode that things were over, but... There's been a few things here and there where it's just like, nope, I, I'm, I, hindsight, I think it's gonna keep going. Yeah, I like Claire. Okay, um, I would be more than happy to see a new companion, but if we're stuck with her for another season, it's okay. She, I do like how kind of her character and the Twelfth Doctor have have built this this odd rapport, um, where it's like they're friends, but they're kind of like always at each other's throat. Um, and it, it does add a lot of humor and I, and their relationship is interesting. So if we find out that she's in it for another season, 
you know, it it's not going to make me upset, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we get like a half season type thing with her. You know, she's in the Christmas special, maybe around for the the first half of the ninth season, and then at some point in the middle of the season, they switch us out to a, a new companion. But um, you know who we didn't have time to talk about, and that's Courtney. But I'm okay with that. So <laughs> she's got enough screen time already. We don't need need to give her air time. <laughs> so I I am good to go ahead and wrap this episode. Unless you guys had any final thoughts on the season or anything. Um, I'd say overall it was a pretty good season um, and I'm excited to see Peter Capaldi continue as the doctor. So I last last in, in, in our quote unquote 11th hour of the podcast, I'm going to throw this out there in the past month. I've gone back and I watched some of Matt Smith's doctor and I missed him. I missed that doctor. I was I was all set middle of series eight being like, okay, Capaldi's nailed it. I'm all for Capaldi. I don't ever need to look back. Um, definitely biting at Tennant's heels for being my favorite doctor. I don't know. I think I need I need I think I need to see series nine um, to see if this really is a doctor I can believe in. It's kind of odd saying that now, but something about going back and watching Matt Smith and some of Tennant's stuff. I I missed them both. Um, I thought Series 8 was solid all the way around. There were definitely some major high points. I think I need some some more tension there, though. I need, I need to see the Doctor up against kind of what we talked about, a solid villain. I need to mm-hmm. see him going up against something that pushes him to his limit um, more than, I guess, just the Master. But, uh, yeah, that's that's where I'll leave it. Well, kind of what kind of what you said there, as far as you you went back and watched Smith and you missed him, and I think that's kind of the beauty of the character of the Doctor. You know, there are things that we love about Capaldi, but we really miss about Smith, and you know, things that we really miss about Eccleston and Tennant, and you know, other classic Doctors as well. That it makes it, it makes the show very rewatchable. You know, at any time we can mm-hmm. go back and watch, you know, a few Smith episodes or a few Tennant episodes, and I don't. I I know we kind of rank the doctors sometimes and say who's our favorite, who's who's not. But really, all of the, at least for me, the modern doctors have qualities about them that I really enjoy watching. There's never a time that I'm like, you know, watching Eccleston or Smith or Tennant and thinking, oh, I don't like this doctor. I really enjoy every single one of them. It's just different things about them. So Capaldi, I really love him as the doctor, but. There's still things that, like you said, I miss about Smith and Tennant too. So, but that's good because we'll never stop watching the show probably. Because <laughs> once they, <laughs> once they finally decide to cancel it, you know, there's how many episodes out there of you know right now twelve different Doctors, thirteen if you count the War Doctor, you know. So it's uh, it's something that is there's a just a wealth of stuff that we can constantly go back and rewatch. Yeah, and at this point, I own way more seasons than I ever expected to. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. Uh, We have the Christmas special coming up. Um, Probably when this show, when this episode airs, it'll probably just be a few days away until the Christmas special. Um, So we have that to look forward to. We'll do a a definitely, definitely do a review of that um, soon after. It was awesome having you on, Jason. You really, yeah, Jason. Thanks. You brought a lot of uh, great knowledge, and uh, you know helped add to the conversation we've been wanting to have you on for a while this isn't our first attempt but i'm happy to finally get you on yes i i figured i i bugged you guys long enough that you know finally i was able to get on no no but (laughs) thank thank you so much for having me on It it was a lot of fun um talking doctor who so well tell us uh maybe a just a little bit about your podcast that you that you do and uh where people can find it uh, yes, I am one of the hosts of the Wampus Lair podcast with my bu- good buddy Carl. Um, we are very much a, a conversation-based podcast where we just sort of pick a topic and we talk about it every episode. There's We're not following any specific rules or guidelines to the episodes, uh, just sort of a fanboy conversation format. Um, and you can find that on facebook.com slash wampus lair podcast twitter is at wampus lair and our home base on the internet 
Uh, same with your Star Wars podcast, Aaron, is StarWarsReport.com. All right. Well, again, thanks for coming on. Um, and to our listeners, thank you for listening to this episode. As usual, you can leave us a review on iTunes. Head on over there. If you like our show, you haven't left us a review yet, uh, head on over to iTunes. Leave us a nice five-star review. And then uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at Bad Wolf Podcast. We're on Facebook. Search for Bad Wolf Radio. We're the one with the black and white logo. And you can send us an email at any time. Let us know what you think about the show. Give us any feedback or just your opinion on whatever episodes that we're reviewing. Or if you, you know, tell us if you like Jason. We might have him back if you did. So uh, that's badwolfpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, later day.